Welcome to episode 24 of Renewing the Conversation, a series of interviews where we talk to leading industry professionals and experts about renewable energy and heating with a focus on the home and what challenges face the industry and homeowners. Today, welcome back Malcolm Farrow, Head of Public Affairs at Oftech. Malcolm updates us on the HVO trial and whether we're likely to see HVO heating homes in the UK this coming winter. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button below and please support us by giving us a thumbs up. Enjoy the interview. Well, it is an absolute pleasure to have Malcolm back. Uh, he, we've interviewed you, I think it was last, and towards the end of last year, um, about HBO hydro-treated vegetable oil, a new biofuel, well, it's not new, but new to households in the UK biofuel that's really interesting yeah. and renewable. And we are really pleased to have you back to talk to us because so much has happened in the world since last September 2021. We've had COP26, we've had new laws and regulations come into place, we've had um, the very unfortunate war in Russia, and that has had a massive effect Mm. on energy as well. So, Malcolm, give us an update. Where are we with HVO and renewable biofuels? Okay, well, gosh, where to start? I think that probably the most important thing to talk about is the expansion of our original field trial. Um, you'll remember that when I first spoke to you, we were we were uh, working to expand the trial from the original um, 20 homes that I think we've had on it to what we, we, we've defined now as a demonstration project because we, you know, we're confident of the technology and what we wanted to do was to expand it dramatically to really showcase how the industry can support HVO as a viable solution. So what we've done now is that we've got over 100 homes and a small number of non-domestic sites now using HVO and we've been, they've been using it all winter. And actually, your home is one of them. So, uh, you know, it's been a very exciting um, sort of time for us. And, you know, and I think the, 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 the simple sort of message is that it's been an overwhelming success. You know, as, as you probably expect with any sort of new adopted technology, you know, there's been one or two very minor uh, issues that we've had to sort out. But by and large, nothing that you could even remotely uh, say would be a you know a major sort of problem or something that would prevent the uh, the adoption of this fuel. So yeah, you know, we're really excited about it. I think that the, you know, the feedback we've had from the people using it has been you know, overwhelmingly supportive and positive, and I think that really underlines why a fuel like HVO is so, such an important solution because it, it's it's such a frictionless option. Really, you know, if you already have an oil heating system it's very quick and easy to convert to HVO and you know, there are no sort of major sort of traumas involved. It was so easy for us to, to be switched over to HVO. We have just thoroughly appreciated mm. and um, really enjoyed being part of the trial. Um, you're right, from our perspective as a household, it was just seamless. It's been really successful um, and we have been so impressed with um, the reliability, the consistency of heat um, and just how good it was. And it's been really interesting to see um, the feedback that we've been getting from heat pump owners that have been really struggling this winter. And it was something that we touched on in our last interview when we spoke to you, you mentioned that you know, it was really important for the government to not put all of its eggs in one basket with regards to just heat pumps and to really think outside the box a little bit and be more open-minded um, thinking about households across the board. 
And something that you mentioned that stuck with me was that you said, look, you know, we've really got to be careful that we don't push more households into fuel poverty. Um, even with households that have now have got heat pumps, we've seen from our um, experience that those households have actually come back to us and said, gosh, we can't believe the situation we're in this winter. We um, actually invested thousands and thousands of pounds in a heat pump. We can't afford the electricity. We've turned it off. We're actually sliding into fuel poverty. How much has that kind of the conversation from your perspective as your organization your, how you represent HVO when you're speaking to um, the government? I mean there's a lot to unpick from that question. Um, <laughs> I mean I suppose the first thing to say is that since we last spoke we've seen the government publish its heat and building strategy or heat and buildings I think they call it. That really contains as far as off gas grid homes are concerned and businesses for that matter uh, a very strong uh, commitment from the government to push heat pumps as their main solution, really. And they, they've been able to claim this, that, that that's an appropriate uh, option for off-gas grid uh, buildings on two bases, really. One is that they think the price is going to, of heat pumps is going to fall significantly by 50% by 2025, I think, and uh, to reach parity with boilers by 2030. Uh, and the other um, claim that they've made is that over 80% of uh, off-grid buildings are suitable for a heat pump now. Let's take the second of those points first. I don't think anybody would argue that you can put a heat pump in any building. And uh, and, it, you know, and if you design the system correctly, it will work. Off-grid buildings pose a, a, a much more difficult to convert quite often because, you know, unlike suburban homes and um, where you have a, typically you might have a street full of similar houses, off, off the gas grid, practically every home can be different. And um, you, each one can pose a unique challenge. Now, that means that, that it takes longer to design the, the, the solution. It takes longer to install it. There may be more work to do to convert the existing system to work correctly with a heat pump. Uh, and all of that takes time and adds cost to the, to the job. For that reason, uh, we, we feel very strongly that the government's claim that uh, they're going to reduce the cost of heat pumps where it applies to off-grid homes is really very unlikely. And that is supported by uh, companies like Octopus Energy, for example, who you know, are really in the vanguard of, of driving the heat pump market forward. Um, and they're focusing on uh, what they, you know, what I think they call the easy wins, you know, homes that are more modern, homes that are in suburban and urban streets that are easy to convert. And that makes perfect sense. And, uh, you know, we, we in Oftech, we we really very supportive of uh you know, an approach that puts heat pumps in the right places and really you know, pushes the heat pump market forward in that way. We don't think off-grid homes are the right place to do that. The sort of feedback you're getting from households that are saying they're, they're struggling with the sort of heating costs in, with heat pumps, uh, you know, suggests that, that, that probably the heat pump system may not have been designed as well as it perhaps could have been, or simply that the home isn't well enough insulated. Uh, you know, I think that's a really crucial point. I mean, it, you know, it really doesn't make any sense at all to install heat pumps in poorly insulated homes. And the cost of living crisis, uh, I think, has really put that into uh, a really stark perspective. And we know that there's quite a lot of discussion that, about whether the, the, um, the green levies that are currently applied to electricity bills will be reduced. And it may well be that they are, and it could be that, that's, that they're moved from um, electricity to gas. But that's down the road. At the moment, people are really feeling the pinch. And um, whether you're a gas user, an oil user, or uh, an electricity user, you're paying really high costs. This is really important because all the, the, the government policy designs in relation to the heat and building strategy uh, predate the cost of living crisis. 
you know, there are assumptions that you, people are going to be able to afford the, to uh, convert to heat pumps and do all the things that the, that the government wants them to, to do to decarbonize their homes. Well, you know, I'm sorry, that's not going to happen. If we're really feeling the pinch and we haven't got a lot of money in our pockets, it's going to be very hard for people to, to fork out the cost. The government is supporting the deployment of heat pumps with something called the boiler upgrade scheme, and that will pay really pretty generous grants of up to five or six thousand pounds for a heat pump system. The problem with that is that there's only the funding will only fund thirty thousand installs a year for three years, and that really is is about the size of the current heat pump market. So there isn't a lot of money there to uh, you know encourage extra people to to install a heat pump or for installers to to start. Uh, supporting them. I think this is going to add up to a serious problem down the road because what we're going to see come 2026, according to the government's plans, uh, if you're a, a, a householder and your boiler fails, you will you will be pretty much required to fit a heat pump. Now, you may, you may have to wait weeks for that to happen if there isn't an installer base to do it. And if you are lucky and you can find a householder that can do it, you could end up with a bit of 10 or 11,000 pounds for the install. It's not uh, good news really for off-grid households. And I think for that reason, HVO is something that the government's gonna have to really think about seriously uh, because it is such a much more straightforward win. And you know, we're, not, we're not saying it's, it's got to be either or uh, in terms of heat pumps or HVO or any other low carbon solution for that matter. I think we're at a point where the government needs to support all viable technologies and we're, we're at Tech. we're calling for a technology neutral approach to see that happen. So we saw that um, Sunak came out and said that they were going to remove the VAT of um, uh, heat pumps and um, solar. solar. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is, if anything, the government prepared to do with regards to things like HVO? Are they trying to contribute in any way or trying to make it easier and more accessible financially for households? Well, the simple answer is no. <laughs> at the moment, they're not doing anything to, to support HVO at all. The heat and building strategy contains a commitment to you know, consider HVO as an option. But they're, at the moment, the, the government is doing no more than that. We're off tech with our colleagues at UKIFTA, um, who are the, the which is the, um, the trade association for the fuel distributors uh, organisations. What we're doing is we're looking at how um, the government could support HVO and and really, um, I mean, basically, the conversion cost is relatively minimal. So there's little need there for the government to support that. But what they do need to do is to support the cost of the fuel, because at the moment, HVO is more expensive than kerosene. And you know, frankly, we're, you know, we're, everybody's worried enough about the cost of you know, their heating fuels. We don't want to actually increase uh, the cost any further if we can help it. The government needs to sort of think about how it can um, support the price of HVO to make it more affordable. And the easiest way they can do that is to apply the same kind of subsidies that they already give to uh, people who use HVO in transport. And if they were to do that, that would mean that the price would fall really significantly and it would make it a much more viable option for uh, householders to use for heating. And you know, it's a very simple uh, step forward. And I think if the government were prepared to do that, and you know, and I would encourage everybody listening to uh, this video who, who would like the option to use HVO, you know, to write to your MP and tell them that they should try and support this. Yeah, it does seem very uh, odd that 
the levies and the reductions and the kind of financial support with regards to HVO has been offered to the transport section, which obviously is being utilized by on a, for commercial um, use and by businesses. And I know that we need to be supporting our businesses. They've just come out of COVID and two years of an absolute you know, financial nightmare. But um, at the same time, we do need to address the fact that we've got households that are now really struggling and millions of households across the country that are struggling. And it really does seem um, unfair to offer that same kind of level of support to households to have those options and to be able to afford something like HVO. Well, I agree. I mean, the government would say that, and, I, and to, to a degree that I think this is correct, that you need to use um, the, the low carbon resources that you have in the most sensible way possible. And, you know, there are some sectors of uh, our, our economy that are difficult to decarbonize. And, you know, one of them is heavy freight transport, for example. And um, you know, it may be difficult to, to, to have electric lorries, or, for example, but you could perhaps use a low carbon liquid fuel like HVO instead. So you know, the government is, you know, I think, is thinking that, that liquid fuels like HVO may be needed more in transport and perhaps for aviation too. And for the, that reason, they're reluctant to allow them to be used in heating. You know, I think, as we, you know, we've already discussed, I think it's going to be very difficult for a lot of households to afford to switch to a heat pump quickly. And you know the the HVO option, HVO option is such a good one and such a straightforward win that I think you know, the, the government really needs to think about this you know and put people first. I don't want to come across too cynical. But I'm still kind of struggling to kind of pinpoint why that is that the government are just being a little bit resistant towards HVO in that um, it seems to me that, you know, with heat pumps, it is an industry and, you know, you've got big, big guns that are playing in that industry and there's an awful lot of money flying around that industry. So you've got that, which seems to be a financial incentive for the government to be involved in. You've got, you know, other um, areas of renewables, which the, com the government's getting involved in, you know, looking at nuclear, they're, but then they're kind of falling back onto fossil fuels and actually saying, look, we're actually going to ramp up our fossil fuels and oil exploration in the North Sea. And again, that seems to be another industry that is rooted in finance. And HVO doesn't seem to be a, a particularly financially maybe attractive um, area for the government. Is that kind of, do you think that that is really kind of the, the crux of it is that it's just not lucrative enough for the government to really kind of get behind? I definitely think there's a bit of that. We talk a lot about vested interests really, don't we? And you'd be naive not to think that there's a lot of lobbying going on behind the scenes by all the big players in the energy sector. You know, I think that's that, that's always been the case and it's no different now, really. There's a lot of lobbying going on for, for heat pumps too, and, you know, and it's some of it very sensibly uh, because, you know, it's a technology we will really need. I think actually, if you you, know, you read the heat and building strategy carefully, it, you know, it's pretty obvious that the, the, the government has really listened to uh, companies like Octopus who are really talking up the potential to reduce the cost of heat pumps. That's been an important foundation that sits, you know, underneath the heating building strategy. You know, I think the government thinks that if you can bring the cost down of heat pumps quickly, then, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great op option. And it would be if that turns out to be true. And, uh, you know, I think there is some evidence that Octopus could be successful in terms of doing that in the right place. Their focus, as I've said, you know, is the easy win, suburban homes. And, uh, you know, I think the off-grid sector is very different to that. You know, I think the other thing I would say, it, and I'm sort of straying slightly away from the kind of lobbying point, is it, around the kind of commitment to fairness. I mean, if you read the heating building strategy, it talks a lot about the need to, to ensure that the transition is fair. 
what the government is proposing to do is to treat a minority of householders and businesses, those that are off the gas grid and currently rely on fossil fuels, very differently indeed to uh, those that are on the gas grid. I mean, if you currently have a gas boiler uh, and it, it and after uh, you know any time between now and 2035 it fails, uh, you can just buy another gas boiler and that will just cost you two or three thousand pounds. But from 2026, if you use oil or LPG and you're off the gas grid uh, and your boiler fails, you, the government is currently saying you will not have that option. In most cases, you will be expected to fit a heat pump. Whether you know, and if you have to face other costs uh, to do that, well, then I'm afraid it's just tough luck. That's what the government's currently saying. If you do treat a, a minority like that differently, you know, I think people will that the policy is fair. And I, I mean, I personally think it frankly isn't. And I think that's almost the most important point about the heat and building strategy as it now stands. It is not a fair policy. It, it's, it's, in fact, fundamentally unfair. If you're saying that the, you feel that the that they are treating kind of more rural off-grid homes unfairly, well, you know, since COVID, what we've seen in real estate has been such a shift and demand from suburban families actually wanting to move out to more rural properties to have more space. So it's going to be so interesting to see their response when they come out to, to the countryside are actually off the grid and to see if we start to have more of a voice uh, a louder voice so to speak of all those new families joining the kind of rural community saying actually hold on a minute i need we need greener options and we need them to be affordable yeah i mean it's you know affordability has got to be a fundamental um element of any successful policy hasn't it and you know i'm sure a lot of the, the people you talk about who are you know sort of embracing a, a, a sort of different lifestyle and moving out of the towns and cities to, to embrace rural living, well, I think frankly a lot of them are going to be in for a bit of a shock because you know, sort of the cost of living in the countryside is often actually surprisingly high. You know, you you, you may find that your home is uh, you less energy efficient. You find that um, running costs to to travel around the countryside are often much higher because there are fewer um, sort of uh, public services like sort of you know, buses and trains and things like that. You're more reliant on your car. You know, again, we know that the government plans to um, move a lot, a lot of sort of personal transport to electric vehicles in the future. Now, you know, that again poses a significant difficulty because if you uh, want to install an electric charger in your home and a heat pump, and perhaps you want to cook using an induction hob, well, you know, you may find you need three-phase electricity to do that. Is the current network up to scratch? You could, can it support that? Uh, you know, the, the, all these things are going to come at a significant cost. I think the other critical factor, as I've already mentioned, is whether the, the uh, installer base is going to be ready to support all these different things. Installers, like most small businesses, are very driven by uh, you know, their customers' demands. And if, you know, if, if you're uh, uh, currently installing boilers and you're getting a lot of demand from your customers for heat pumps, then naturally it's you know, it's a no-brainer to start offering heat pumps too. But I think you know if you talk to most uh, installers working off the gas grid, and in fact Offtech did this as part of our consultation response, and we actually got replies from over 200 um, installers. And you know they basically said, well, you know, we we don't think most of the homes that we support uh, are currently ready for a heat pump. So you know, and we're not getting a lot of um, inquiries for them. So we're not going to start offering them yet. So you've got this sort of chicken and egg thing going on that the government wants people to uh, adopt heat pumps. And, you know, for, as I say, for off-grid, that's from, from 2026 for most uh, uh, households and businesses. You know, I don't think the installer base is going to be remotely ready for that. There will be a sudden rush to try and catch up with it. 
and you know, and I think 2026 could be a very difficult year. And you know, I wouldn't want to be in a home where my boiler broke down on January the first or something like that. I think you could find it very awkward trying to um, get get a, a replacement heating system. Uh, speaking about affordability, kerosene and heating oil is obviously subject to the volatility of markets. Is HBO a lot more stable as a price point? A really good question. I mean, I, I, I think it is more stable generally. I think the price has spiked in the, you know, this current situation, which is, uh, you know, I think most of us would agree, completely unprecedented. I mean, I've never seen anything like the, the volatility in the energy market that we've seen in the last you know, two or three months since the uh, Ukraine crisis happened. I think in general, yeah, the price of kerosene is it is is much more volatile than um, HVO because uh, it, it's very dependent on the crude oil price, whereas HVO is a very different kind of fuel manufactured in a different way. Uh, and it's not subject to those uh, sort of dramatic swings that we see, which are you know, normally due to, um, you know, frankly, politics in, 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 in um, the wider world. The other big thing to say about HVO is that, um, and actually, you know, this goes back to your point about lobbying, actually, one of the one of the reasons why um, HVO tends to you know, be overlooked actually it, and hasn't got a strong uh, base of industry lobbying on it for it is that there's no current domestic production of HVO in the UK. So um, you know all the fuel we get is imported from the near continent uh, from Holland actually. I suppose one of the things that you know we would like to see is, is again domestic production, which I think would be a really healthy move for the UK. We obviously have some domestic production, but I think one of the, the big uh, potential advantages of us having left the EU is that we want, we could be no longer, um, have, we'll have to keep the laws that uh, the EU pre had previously imposed, which protected domestic production of HVO, which would mean that the UK uh, could potentially import it from other parts of the world, including from America. And we know uh, from conversations we've had with uh, American manufacturers that they'd, you know, they'd like to be able to import, uh, export HVO into the UK market. Obviously, you know, there, there, there would be concerns about um, importing fuels from all over the world. You know, you, ideally, you'd want to uh, have a homegrown uh, energy economy. But you know, the reality is that, that what this would do is would just provide further security for us in terms of HVO use. And I think you know, it's, just, it's just good to know that that option could be there. And it might well mean that the price of HBO in the UK would actually be lower because we'd have more options. So uh, you, you touched on, well, from my perspective, supply and demand. So uh, I think that when we last spoke, you said that I think maybe 20% of homes, there'd be enough HBO coming in from Holland or from Europe to, to cover 20% of homes. Obviously, you do have to look at, at places like the United States to, to try and get, is the plan to ultimately try and get most of the homes in the, in the UK that are running kerosene at the moment onto HVO? It's a difficult question to answer, really. I mean, I think from, from an industry perspective, yeah, we, we would like uh, to gradually convert uh, the majority of homes that currently use oil uh, onto HVO because, you know, A, it means that they're, they're following a path, a transition pathway that's very simple and straightforward for them. And it means that you, we bring down the, uh, the emissions from um, kerosene by about 88%. So, you know, it's a massive win for decarbonisation. So from that perspective, yeah, it would be really great to do that. I think you, you, there are a couple of caveats to that. One is that, you know, it's, it, you know I, I can't really argue in favour of consumer choice and then say, well, actually, from an industry perspective, we'd like them all to do this. You know, the reality is it's going to be up to consumers, I think, to decide. And 
you know, that's one of the, the key points that Ofttech makes to the government. Uh, you know, what we really need is a you know, technolo technology inclusive approach that gives consumers the maximum amount of choice and flexibility. I think if you were to do that, you, you'd improve competition within the marketplace, which again is healthy in terms of reducing prices. And it just means the customer can pick the right choice for their own individual home. We would hope uh, that for many customers that currently use oil, that that would be HVO. But if you, know, if you live in a relatively modern home uh, or office for that matter, and uh, you know, you're using uh, oil at the moment to heat it, you might well decide that uh, a heat pump is the best solution. And if that is the best choice for you, then you know, it's absolutely right that you should choose it. Uh, my guess is that some, you know, quite a few uh, oil heated homes or, and businesses will go down that route. We know that uh, you know, something like 65% of uh, oil heated homes are in the worst EPC bands, E, F and G. And we also know that uh, around about 50% of them are uh, built, built before 1920. So they're, you know, they're likely to have single skin walls. They're probably been modified in all sorts of ways. They, they may not have great insulation. They may well be large and detached. So you know, they could require quite a lot of refurbishment to make them really ideally suited to a heat pump. You know, we think for those properties, HVO is the obvious solution. And you know, I'm, I'm very confident that um, householders will think that too. Is that something that's shared amongst your installer base uh, in terms of off-tech engineers? Uh, are they all pretty much on the same page? You know, would they not be phased moving everybody to HVO from, let's say, kerosene? Oh yeah, and there's, there's absolutely no doubt about that. I mean, we've we've prepared uh, a manual to to help them um, understand what they need to do in order to carry out the conversion. But using um, HVO in you know, in domestic and uh, non domestic situations is very similar to using kerosene. You know, the conversion process is extremely straightforward. There's very, there's very little difference in reality. And, um, you know, there's a little bit of care around the sort of what we call tank husbandry to make sure that the tank's clean and uh, you know, that avoids any problems um, with, with, that you could have if you if you just simply tip the HVO in. But we know for a fact that installers you know, would be very happy to, to uh, switch over. And the, you know, again, from their point of view as businesses, there's very little cost. They don't have to retrain. They don't have to um, you sort of perhaps take on extra people in order to, to, to manage the uh, heat pump conversion work. And, it, and they can do more, con more conversions. So there's actually, there'll be more work for them to do. So I think yeah, they'd be very happy about that. And um, the, it's worth mentioning as well, just the safety aspect of HVO compared to kerosene um, it was a conversation yeah. that we actually had um, with the guys that were delivering um, our HVO winter and you know they had had they do have stories in the industry horror stories of you know un co colleagues that have been unfortunately you know kerosene has spilt on them um, and they've had really bad you know um, em emergency medical um, situations that they've had to deal with with HVO they don't have that There's, it's a lot safer for them to deal with so you know they feel so much more um, confident kind of dealing with HVO they, they obviously prefer it you don't have you don't have all of those kind of toxic things to deal with. So even from a, a human perspective, um, from the installer, it's it's just so much more appealing. Yeah, it is. I mean, certainly from the point of view of the industry handling it, I think it's much better. It's a, it's a much cleaner fuel and it's certainly less toxic. There's some really important benefits for the consumer too that we need to mention. It has what, what I think is called a higher flash point, which means um, it, it's much less likely to catch fire. And uh, you know, that's really important from a storage point of view, because, you know, at the moment, there are very, very strict rules in place around where you can position an oil tank. Uh, and, you know, that's designed to, to, to 
not not because they think the tank necessarily is going to catch fire, but that if you you know if a, if it was positioned close to a building and that building caught fire, that could then spread to the tank. Obviously, you don't want um, your heating hole to catch fire because that's really a, a very dangerous situation. With uh, HVO, because it has this thing called a high flash point, you know, it's, that's much less likely to happen. So you'll have much more flexibility about where you can site the tank, which you know, from for a domestic customer, that's a huge win because you can have it right next to your house. So if somebody's watching this video now and they've just moved into a rural property and they've got a kerosene boiler at the moment, and they're thinking about running HBO this winter, what are the odds of them being able to actually call their local fuel distributor and HBO delivered to them? This is the bad news, okay. Uh, I mean, the answer to that is virtually zero. Um, and that's because uh, at the moment, fuel distributors just aren't geared up to supply uh, HVO into the domestic heating uh, market because it's just currently too expensive. That is the sad reality. And if uh, you know, householders were, were to you know, phone up to find out the price, you know, they quickly realise that it's, it's just not a realistic option at the moment. That's why we need the government to, to, to incentivise it to, to you know, get the market started. Because we think that, that it's very likely that once HVO producers and suppliers really cotton on to the fact that there's a, you know, there's a good market opportunity here, you, we're confident that the price will fall. The subsidy won't need to be kept in place indefinitely. It'll, if, it can gradually tail off, but it will just support the um, you know, initial phase of the rollout of the fuel uh, and enable customers to adopt it quickly. So, you know, if, if in the scenario you've just described, it, you know, I would absolutely urge that that person to you know, to get in touch with their MP and say, you know, you know I want this option to be available to me and. And it, you, you can go to the uh, the Future Ready Fuel website, which is the site we've designed to promote HVO, uh, and find your draft letters that are available for um, people to send to MPs with exactly this kind of message. You know, and we, I'd really urge people to do that. We're at a really frustrating yeah. point still because you know, it sounds like you know you've been you've got you're going to a lot of uh, conferences and trade shows. You're saying that the installers, the industry, is really willing and open to adopt this really quickly. They're very open to it. They like the idea of it. It's safer to use. It's cleaner to use. We've got homes that the, you said the results from the trial were really successful. All the homes came back really happy that they had a really nice warm winter. So it really is just the government that's lagging behind on this. So we really do need um, households and homeowners. If you know if you're out there and you're watching this and you have um, an oil boiler, please, please, please consider HVO and please consider you know speaking up about HVO because we really do need, as you said, um, for a lot more demand from household um, and homeowners to say, look, we absolutely must have more options like this. Yeah, I think that message is, is absolutely the right one. People power can really make a difference here. And uh, you know, the government has, has published its plans, that you know, the consultation has happened, and you know, we're expecting the government to report back sometime later this summer, uh, most likely, uh, what, what they're planning to do. And you know, we might see some, some sort of modifications to the, to the original proposals at that point. My guess is that they're still going to power on largely unchanged with the plan to roll out heat pumps and to treat rural households and businesses very differently to the rest of uh, you know, the, the, the community in the UK. I think we need to do something about that, frankly. And uh, you know, I think there's a real opportunity for people to make their voices heard because you know, let's not forget, uh, in a couple of years' time, there's going to be a general election. A lot of um, households will, will um, you know, if they make their voices heard, you know, that will convince their MP that there's a problem here and that something needs to be done about it. Because, you know, let's face it, MPs want to be re-elected. And, 
you know, if they find out that their constituents are fed up and annoyed about something and want, or want to see something happen, that's a very powerful incentive for the MP to then talk to the, to the, the government department that's responsible, which is based, and talk to the Treasury and say, you know, you really need to get behind HBO for heating and really help us to make that happen. Is there any um, updates with regards to uh, the, the trial going on again this coming winter? No, I don't think there is at the moment. No decision has been taken really about the uh, the future of the trial going into next this next heating season. The reality is that that because we haven't been able to obtain any government funding, our industry has, has paid the whole cost of the trial so far, and there's probably a limit to how much we can continue mm-hmm. doing that really. And uh, you know, I think that we've also been very successful in terms of the learning outcomes from the trial. So there's probably not a great need to to keep all the sites on from a you know from a purely um, your technical perspective but you know obviously once you've converted a home to a much greener solution you i mean ideally we'd love to keep them all on because you know it's just a good thing to do and it showcases hbo really well but i think the reality is that we probably will have to scale back the trial but the plan is to, try to definitely to keep as many on as we can so we'll put the links below for future ready fuels um website below so that if you're interested in hbo or you, know, you do want to get one of these letters these templates yeah. to- put the letters on our website too just to make them as as accessible to everybody as possible easy as possible <laughs> we'll do we'll do all the work for you so please if you're interested in hbo please just think about sending over a quick email or the templates to your mp let's hope that we can really start to kind of speak up and get the the, the train moving on this because uh, i think that it's, we're just lagging behind too much we need to start to really fire up the government yeah. and 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 have our voices heard a little bit yeah i think that's exactly right now i mean we've got a crucial window of opportunity to get this over the line you know i think if we can get as many people as possible to to do that and to um, you know make their voices heard there's a really good chance that the government will listen the whole issue of energy and uh, things like this is a really hot uh, topic at the moment and i don't think that's going to change anytime soon so you know let, let's make the most of that while it's while it's in everybody's minds and really push hard to make this happen well thank you so much malcolm it's been an absolute pleasure having you on and i really hope that your your installer show goes well and that all the installers really enjoy uh finding out more about hvo and i do hope that we'll have you back towards the end of the year and there'll be a bit more positive news and yeah let's just start putting get those letters out there guys the come on up. We can we can do it. Let's start waving the flag for HBO and start getting some renewable clean energy into our rural homes. That would be fantastic. And I'd be delighted to come back and give you a further update later in the year. Brilliant. Thanks, Thanks Malcolm. Malcolm. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.